Tell me, do you know what day it is, Evie? Um, November the 4th. Not anymore. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 117, V for Vendetta. Remember the days when it would be like episode 42 and we were like, who would have thought we would have made it this far? (laughs) Yeah, let's bring that segment back. The who would have thought we'd ever last. Every episode. So the greatest October is in the books. Your thoughts? Uh, it was a good one. I think this is one of my favorite stretches of the show of all time. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's right. I would say ever since I took over the editing... Things have gotten a lot better. We've been allowed to extend the yeah. episodes if we want. We don't. <laughs> there isn't as much pressure from you to end them as that's right. soon as they start. Yeah. No, I think... What was that? Like, Eyes Wide Shut... Sometime in the 90s, I don't know which episode it was. It's funny that you bring up Everything after the Inception episodes, I I think, has been strong. I kind of actually think of this movie in kind of that same class of just, like, a little bit underrated. Like, I I just feel like they're both, like, pretty solid movies, pretty well-received. But, like, I don't know. To me, it doesn't seem like there's much fanfare around either of them. I think V for Vendetta was a pretty big hit. I think it solidified Natalie Portman as a star... Oh really? And I think wow. the mask thing has well, yeah. I know that's had like right. It's had stuff. a different life. Uh, I have quite a connection with this movie because this was one of those ones where it's like I think I first saw the trailer. It, I think the trailer aired for it during the Super Bowl, and I was like, "Wow, I really want to see that." And I can remember being super excited for it, and I just remember like talking to a lot of people about it, me being excited for it, and it just felt like no one else was really excited for it. It's kind of a strange premise on the surface if you're not familiar with the original Alan Moore graphic novel. Which I wasn't, but I thought the trailer looked really fucking cool. It's a guy in a mask who you don't ever see his face. It's Natalie Portman with a British accent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it, it's a vague, futuristic British thing. You're right. like, what is this exactly? Maybe we should hold off for a second. We're getting out of order here. Should we finish doing the intro to the show first? What do you mean? I don't know. Like all of the follow the show well, on Twitter. I, I did want to say thank you to everyone for a fun greatest October. I think it was pretty successful. I would say I'm excited for next year. Yeah, I mean it's a that's it's right. a cool change of pace. It's gonna keep coming. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I guess we should point out this is the last episode being recorded in the original studio. That's right, and it probably. <laughs> 
you know, I can tell right now that there's probably going to be more of an echo. That's to right. Our voices. Yeah. Post- not as many things. Posters are off the wall. Yeah. You know, the girl with the dragon tattoo with Rooney Mara's breast exposed. <laughs> not in sight anymore. That's true. So, yeah, as part of that, I guess you could say that we will be taking a little bit of a hiatus from the show. While we get settled. Yeah, we get the new living arrangements, recording arrangements, everything kind of set up and ready to go. I don't think it will be that dramatic of a hiatus. Probably not. And I feel like we've been really pumping the content out, so Oh yeah, I give think some people time are people ready to catch for a up. Break. Yeah, you know the holidays are coming. Yeah, I think originally when we were discussing the idea of taking a little bit of a break, things were a little bit more uncertain, so there was the possibility that the hiatus could last through the end of the year. Oh yeah, definitely. Like maybe in the next year, but no, no, at this point it's probably going to be only a few weeks. Really? I I would estimate that our return will be at the beginning of December. That's right. Probably. So we'll be looking to record probably at the end of the month around Thanksgiving, and then we'll be getting the episodes back out. So it won't really be that big of a deal. But we figured we should let people know in case there was some panic. Yeah, that's that true. we were well, going to have thing. another unannounced hiatus. Right. People probably <laughs> won't have even listen to this episode, and they'll be texting me like, "Where's the new app?" And it's like, "Well, I can tell you're not caught up. <laughs> Get current." Yeah, like I said, I don't think it will really be a big deal. I think it's just going to be a few weeks, and then we'll be back, and we'll have things, you know, the same as they've always been, just so people are kept aware. I mean, this is probably going to be like the give us a second situation when we started those, and I explained what the give us a second was (laughs) 38 different times. (laughs) I was really wanting to make sure everyone knew what was happening. I don't get It's not a real app. It's not like a regular app then. (laughs) Is this a miniature episode? It it gives you a chance to talk about your favorite thing, which your obsession, time and the passage of time (laughs) and what the meaning of time is. So, yeah, we'll be back pretty soon before you know it. This gives everyone a chance to re-listen to some old favorites, catch up, whatever. You know, maybe listen to other stuff, other podcasts, (laughs) whatever you got to do. That's right. When we were at dedicated listener Brian Bell's wedding and fucking What's My Age Again was playing, I turned to Lindsay and I was like, I guarantee Zach's going to walk over here and say something about time. (laughs) (laughs) How old? were you when you were this <laughs> I, know. I know it's so sad <laughs> how predictable it is <laughs> yeah. I, I actually was probably thinking about time and ages pretty much during every song right but yeah well wow. come on yeah comes to the forefront absolutely yeah, i didn't know if we would bring up the wedding or well i think you know it's an important part of the show you know <laughs> brian bell long time listener that's right uh, yeah, you know, a lot old, of ass old clowns time gathered together. Collaborator <laughs> on not just, you know, podcasts, but various <laughs> hockey teams. <laughs> yeah, whatever. that's true. Yeah. Okay, well, as always, follow the show on Twitter, Pod. I'm sure I'll be tweeting about our hiatus on there. Maybe. That's right, yeah. If you're I'm lucky. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be checking in. Maybe you can do, like, a live tweet of something. And subscribe to the show on iTunes. Speaking of that wedding, I think we may have picked up a a listener or two. Hopefully, yeah. Who knows where they're going to start, though? (laughs) That's always a concern. Don't don't start in the first, like, ten episodes. Always trying to get that out there, but people refuse to listen. 
I actually have like a kind of a crazy idea for some potential give us a seconds in the future, but oh boy. we'll talk about that. Off Not an audio commentary, I hope. No, <laughs> no, I think we will do an audio commentary someday. It's going to come back. Yeah, I would like to. I'd like to give it one more try at least. I think, okay, I think we can do it. <laughs> All right, so V for Vendetta, 2005, directed by James McTeague. Produced by the Wachowskis. That's right. Actually, after I saw this in the theater, I went to like a party because I was like 19 or something. Came out in 06, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's credited as 2005, but yeah, it didn't really get released till 2006. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I remember going and then I went to like a party afterwards. I was like one year out of high school or something. And some, I was like, yeah, I just went to CV for Vendetta. Like no one cared, but one dude was like, oh, nice. I love the Wachowskis or whatever. At that time, the Wachowski brothers. Right. And I didn't even realize that they were involved until he said that. Yeah. Man, it's so crazy. Speaking of time in the past, I mean, it's weird to think this movie's that old at this point. Oh, I know. It still seems pretty recent to me. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you there. I mean, it doesn't feel that recent to me. (laughs) It's also, it doesn't help that I often confuse when this movie came out. I definitely in my head have thought at various points it's come out as early as 2004 and as late as 2009. Well, I mean, this was... In <laughs> I've the, been all over the map when this movie actually came out. This was just, like, in the heart of my obsession with Natalie Portman because, I mean, it's just, like... I mean, when... An obsession that I'm not quite sure is finished. Really. Yeah, well, really, but, I mean, like, obviously, it's like, okay, she's in the Star Wars movies, but it's just, like, closer. What's that, 2004? Yes. Th- then this, 2006? I mean, it just feels like she was in all these... In Garden State around this time, too. I don't know what, when that was. I think but, that was also 04. So it's just like all these movies that I'm loving, <laughs> including the Star Wars movies. That's right. I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, she definitely was everyone in our like eras as far as like dudes, like their favorite actress. Oh, probably. yeah. She was like the Audrey Hepburn <laughs> of our generation. We were all in love with her immediately. I obviously I really didn't know who she was until we were just like menace. Not only is she smoking hot, it feels like she's in all cool movies. For those of you who were like, she was like sixteen in the Phantom Menace. It's like, well, I was in ninth grade. Well, so calm down. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, Natalie Portman has always been older than me. She will always be older than me. <laughs> all right. So remember, remember the fifth of November. That's why we're releasing it today. You were bombarded with episodes all through October, but wanted to get this out for the special That's right. Guy Fox Day. Any awareness of this story before you saw this movie? No. Me neither. Who would know just random British history That's right. except and complete all, loser nerds? I, I agree, but I will say like in the movie when they show this little flashback to what he does, I'm kind of like, I'm interested in this. I kind of wish we got more here in the past. This was like a really interesting time. It, it Well, this movie kind of kicked off the interesting time period in Natalie Portman's career. That like shaved head era that seemed to last <laughs> for yeah, like right. a year or two. And, and I just even like after the movie came out. It was like a lot of appearances on The Daily Show. It's like she was somehow already campaigning for Barack Obama in 06. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she did that like that rap on Saturday Night Live in oh, the right. digital yeah. short. Where she's like, suck my dick or whatever. That's right. Like constantly talking about going to Harvard. Yeah. She is the person that they're talking about in the social network. That's right. The yeah. movie star. It, it's, that's true. Yeah. Um, she's a renaissance woman. So V for Vendetta, the original comic series was created by Alan Moore in 
1982 it was released. However, following his negative experience with From Hell and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Moore decided to reject all money and credit from Hollywood on any adaptations of his work. Thus, he gave all the money he could have gotten to the artist who drew the character with him, David Lloyd, and rejected his own created by credit from the film. Yeah, just and he wanting nothing to do with it. Carried that over right. with Watchmen as well. Yeah, which came out after. Um, I didn't really know much about Alan Moore until years after a couple years after I became much more aware of his work and what he's done when Watchmen was coming out because that was another one when I saw the trailer I was like I am in on this and <laughs> which we've the, done for the show way right. back when that's true actually that was a pretty early up we drew it out of a in hat the top 20 <laughs> yeah, if you remember that's right the gimmicks that this show used to pull back before <laughs> it was a serious thing I, I that's actually something I was thinking you know kind of this being an episode where it's like, okay, we're recording here for the last time. It was making me think about a lot of like the history of this show. And I was thinking like how much this show has changed. What degree of this show, what percentage of it is just for us now compared to like the beginning? Cause I do feel like that, that percentage has gone down. Yeah. The I think like in was... the beginning it was like 100% for us. Not that it's like, yeah, I mean, I think the decisions we make now are certainly more influenced by the idea of people listening to it. Yeah, certainly. If we would have done exclusively episodes from the original idea list for episodes, <laughs> people would be like, this is insane. <laughs> this is like, this podcast serves as like the manifesto for somebody who, you know, sends bombs to people oh, or right. something. You yeah. Know, some crazy lunatics. Like, it was youtube videos of things <laughs> yeah. that like you couldn't find anywhere else like when we did do that for bug juice and that's i right. stand by those episodes well yeah that's there was <laughs> some more of, of that though. right and there was random wwe documentaries from the wwe network there was parts of songs i don't know <laughs> yeah, i mean it was I just think about that like uh i feel like if the original stuff that we were talking about doing was still like on the on the table whenever we were watching like the new twin peaks series like one episode would have been like talking about the Tom Petty song American Girl in relation to that scene <laughs> with the character American Girl. And it's just like completely just all just nonsense. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, once we got a little bit of a listenership, not that we have like a, a huge no, listenership, no, but, but, you know, once we realized there were a few people listening, we started to cater a little bit more towards that. But yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, V for Vendetta, though, for me, is a film that, yes, sometimes it's overlooked even in my own memory, but when I get serious about making like a top 25, maybe 50 top list, it always makes it for me. I just, I think the movie's so good, and rewatching it just to do for the show, it just reminded me of how powerful it is and oddly relevant. It's more. Well, that's funny watching Current it now. Yeah, because you are just was like in 05 or 06. Yeah, I know. I do feel like if it came out now, like people would be like, "Yes, this movie, this is what it's all about." Not that it didn't get that sort of reaction when it came out, but I do. It feels more relevant now, even. Yeah, and I mean, they did re-release 1984 when Trump was elected. They probably could have re-released this as well this is obviously heavily influenced by 1984 but well, isn't the guy from 1984 the fucking head chancellor guy or whatever in this isn't it william john hurt? hurt is john hurt or william hurt john hurt this the one in v for vendetta i think is john hurt right? okay 
Yeah. But I was thinking that's the same guy that's in 1984. It could be. All right. Well, <laughs> go to your vamp for a second. Let's go look it up. <laughs> so V for Vendetta takes place in 2027, which obviously was way in the future back in 2006. Now it doesn't seem that far off. A totalitarian state in England. The government controls the press, censors the truth, tortures the opposition. It's kind of unclear what all led to this. It kind of factors into the plot. There's a lot That's of turmoil That's true. I kind of wish war. there was a little bit more backstory on this government, this oppressive government that's taken over. Yeah, I mean, it basically, in a weird way, I mean, it kind of felt super relevant, I think, after 9-11. Not that... I don't think the purpose of this film was to put forth the idea that 9-11 was like a, an inside job or anything like that, but the usage of a terrorist event, some sort of major tragedy to... Oh, rise to power. Yeah, yeah to further instill fear the, yeah. and, and get a more controlling government, which you know is something that we still kind of see practiced today, <laughs> unfortunately. But... um. Yeah, there was like a, I think in, in the Viva Vendetta universe, there's like a pandemic. They call it the St. Mary's virus because I think it started at some school called St. Mary's or something. And it Confirmed, by the way, John Hurt, Winston Smith in 1984. Wasn't he like the... The main dude. Yeah, the good guy. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, so, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe intentional casting there. So in England during this time period, after like a war with the United States and all of these terrorist events and all this stuff, England's controlled by Nordic supremacists and neo-fascists. It's a group called Norse Fire. What does that mean? Which part? <laughs> Nordic neo-what? Nordic supremacist, I guess, would be like... The way I interpret it... I mean, obviously, Nordic would be like from Norway. Yeah, right. But I think it's more like... It's, it's kind of a way to say white. Okay. In this instance. I gotcha. Because right. they want to... Part of the, the lesser thans in this universe are like Irish people as well. That's true. Okay. All right. But um, it's it's basically like... So a political party led by our least favorite people, white males. <laughs> and this group is... This Norse Fire group is led by High Chancellor Adam Sutler, who, as we t said, was played by John Hurt. Political opponents, immigrants, Jews, Muslims, atheists, homosexuals, and other undesirables are imprisoned and executed in concentration camps obviously a lot influenced by the nazi party and all that stuff that led into you know world war and II. and it does and have that. like a big brother feel oh yeah with for the big, sure. with the big screen and everything the movie opens on november 4th we have a vigilante in a guy fox mask a character we will come to know as v who's played by hugo weaving although we never actually see his face yeah, luckily, because it doesn't seem like there's anything good going on under that mask. No, it's just kind of a weird role for an actor to play because he recorded all of his dialogue after the fact later. That is weird. And yeah. you don't actually see his face. So it's almost like, what difference does it make who's behind the mask? <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. I mean, is it actually him? I think so. Okay, yeah. But I'm not. I'm, I don't know. I didn't see any indication that it wasn't. I act, I don't love Hugo Weaving. I, I have to admit, I find it. He kind of takes me out of things at times. I think it's just the whole Agent Smith thing. <laughs> I, I just find him to be very distracting. Like he doesn't take me out of this. No, well, because I don't see him. <laughs> well, he wasn't originally V. There was another guy. I forget who it was, but they had to bail. I think probably because they didn't realize what all was required of this role. They were like, the "What do you mean I don't really get to kiss Natalie Portman?" <laughs> 
So we see Natalie Portman. She's playing Evie Hammond. She's out after curfew. These, like the police, the enforcers called the the finger or whatever they're called, the finger police or yeah, something. I was trying to think of what it was. I don't think it's finger police. It's finger something. I don't know. Is it like fingermen or something? <laughs> is that I worse? Like how you think is that, that further off? I think how you think fingermen is less weird than finger <laughs> police. But yeah, it is probably something like that. They intervene, V rescue, or they kind of detain her. It uh, gets really ra- attempted rape. Right? Yeah, it gets real rapey. V rescues her, and she, he, you know he kind of kicks the shit out of these dudes. I was never really quite sure on what was happening here. Where is, is she? I, I will say it's almost like jarring a little bit how quick these two come together. Where is she going? To I believe to that dude that the guy the TV guy that she hangs out with okay. to his house. I think. Well, that's I wasn't sure. That's seemingly the only place she goes. <laughs> They make it seem like she's out kind of sneaking around after curfew or whatever. She is, yeah. I know, but it's like as if she's up to something. I know. That's that's what I mean. Like, why is this happening after this curfew? What's so important here? Especially when we find out that this dude is in no hurry to fuck her. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) So V's like, hey, come watch me blow up some shit. Oh, you're right. You know what? It is Fingerman. Oh, wait. Did I say that? You said Fingerman. Okay. Yeah, I was right. It is Fingerman. (laughs) Well, the the whole thing is like the chancellor is the head, the okay the BTN guy who is like kind of like a Rush Limbaugh type character or a Fox right. News. He's yeah. the mouth. They're the fingers, like it, the hands, the fingers, whatever. It's supposed to be like a body. A full, or okay. V takes her to go watch him blow up London's main well, criminal court, the Old Bailey. The first, I mean, right after he like rescues her and beats these guys up, is that when he does this like ridiculous the V thing. alliteration thing? Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll, Which, play, we'll play that clip. Oh, okay, because I feel like that part when I first saw it in the theaters, as it's going, I'm like, oh, this is incredible. But by the end, I'm like, it was a few too many V words that I'm like, this is <laughs> stupid now. I can assure you, I mean you no harm. Who are you? Who? Who is but the form following the function of what and what I am is a man in a mask. Well, I can see that. Of course you can. I'm not questioning your powers of observation. I'm merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a masked man who he is. Oh, right. But on this most auspicious of nights, permit me then, in lieu of the more commonplace soubriquet, to suggest the character of this dramatis persona. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance. A vendetta held as a votive, not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. <laughs> Verily, this vicious of verbiage veers most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honor to meet you, and you may call me V. Are you like a crazy person? I'm quite sure they will say so. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird introductory gimmick for someone where you're like, huh. Okay. How often do you recite this? Yeah. Because <laughs> I know this is not freestyle. V blows up the main criminal court, the old Bailey, with fireworks accompanied by the 1812 overture. But he also is like, 
doesn't he make note of the fact that her name is Evie and how this is like a piece of it and like, you know, yeah. I'm bringing So if that wasn't her name, if this is Samantha, the movie ends here. But it could have been Veronica. That's true. <laughs> or Vera. So, oh, of course, cool. the government, the Norse fire, the whole deal, they have propaganda to cover up what really happened. They're acting like, oh, this wasn't a big deal. This was a scheduled demolition, even though it happened it had in the middle of the A training exercise. Yeah. This is where we first see our, our high chancellor. It's definitely got like a Darth Vader, Emperor feel. But a lot it's of yelling. projected up on the screen yeah. like in 1984. Seems very kind of like he's stressed out a lot. <laughs> it's hard to hold on to that power, you know? We meet Inspector Finch. He's going to be in charge of pursuing leads for this. They this kind is of our identify main Evie. detective, right? Yeah. Now, he, I will say, one of the things I was surprised about the first time I saw it, he's like a pretty big character in the movie. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, he's not really a guy that's prominently featured in the trailer or anything, you know, going into it. I, I mean, I feel like he's on screen more than V. Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. He's probably comparable to... And I definitely didn't recognize Portman's character the actor at all at the time going into it. I, I mean, I feel like I know him from stuff now, but I, I don't... He's not a guy that I'm, like, super familiar with all of his work. Is it, like, Steven Rea or something? I thought... I yeah. Think, I think that's what it is. But, yeah, I'm not, like, super familiar with a ton of his work, but, I mean, he's, you know, a pretty big character in this movie. It's kind of surprising that he gets to sit at the table here. Like, he doesn't really feel like that high ranking of a detective when he's out working. Right, but he must be, like, yeah, I the mean, lead inspector or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, he gets to... But he he's gets definitely to be a part of the... He's definitely underneath that Creeley dude or whatever. Well, yeah, he's the head of the party, basically. Okay, yeah. They've identified Evie. Obviously, they don't know who V is because he's wearing a mask, but she just happens to work for a television station called BTN, which is the main state-run television network. Before Finch can get to her, though, at the station, V shows up there so that he can interrupt the broadcast and then claim responsibility so that the entire country then is watching him on their television. Oh, yeah. And he's explaining that it was no, it wasn't some training thing, but rather it was him who blew it up. And V encourages the people of Britain to rise up against their government. So a lot of things happening really fast here, right? I mean, oh, yeah. We launch uh, right You're like, holy this. shit. For a, and it's a long movie, and this is all happening within the first like twenty minutes or whatever. And so this kind of feels like a, especially when upon rewatch, I was like, wow, this kind of has like a Christopher Nolan Dark Knight Joker sequence. You know, it it feels kind of similar to. Well, I think what you don't realize at first here is what he is what he's about to say, which is, I did this, I blew this up. Now I'm encouraging you to rise up and join me, and I'm asking you to meet me, but not until next year's. Guy Fox's oh, right. night yeah. <laughs> outside the Houses of Parliament. So he's giving them a whole year to decide yeah. whether or not they want to join this. I guess it's more of like a Bane thing then. <laughs> Good evening, London. Allow me first to apologize for this emergency channel. I do, like many of you, appreciate the comforts of the everyday routine, the security of the familiar, the tranquility, repetition. Bloody hell. I enjoy them as much as any bloke. But in the spirit of commemoration whereby uh, those important events of the past, usually associated with someone's death or the end of some awful bloody struggle, are celebrated with a nice holiday, I thought we could mark this November the 5th, a day that is sadly no longer remembered, by taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. 
There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. We think, just let me I think. Expect even now, orders are being shouted into telephones, and men with guns will soon be on their way. It's Chancellor Sutler. Damn it! Why? Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? You designed it, sir. You wanted it foolproof. You told me every television in London. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and subverting your submission. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. Inspector, you're almost through. Last night, I sought to end that silence. Last night, I destroyed the old Bailey to remind this country of what it has forgotten. More than 400 years ago, a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So if you've seen nothing, if the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, then I would suggest that you allow the 5th of November to pass unmarked. But if you see what I see, if you feel as I feel, and if you would seek as I seek, then I ask you to stand beside me one year from tonight, outside the gates of Parliament, and together we shall give them a 5th of November that shall never, ever be forgotten. And he's basically telling everyone, including Sutler and all these guys, the main villains of the movie, like, hey, I'm going to blow up the Houses of Parliament. Basically daring them to right. stop Right, and him. I will say it's shockingly undefended by the end of the movie a year later. <laughs> Police attempt to apprehend him at the station, and they seemingly do have V cornered for a second, but Evie helps him by macing the guy in the face, and then... Yeah, this is like a huge mistake. She gets knocked unconscious, so V takes her, and then she wakes up inside his underground lair. (laughs) Yeah. This is some house that V has. Yeah, I mean, there's parts of it that feel like it kind of has like a Phantom of the Opera vibe with him. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and like... Uh, I definitely think there's some influence there. Right. And that's what it makes me think of when they're down in this little fucking tunnel or whatever that he lives in. Yeah, he's like, I want to show you my shadow gallery, which is definitely like reminiscent of the Red Room in Fifty Shades of Grey. You're like, <laughs> what, what, what does he want to yeah, show Yeah, she walks in and <laughs> she's just like, do your worst and hands him a belt. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you got to stay here for like a year. <laughs> I know. She's just like, like What? what? <laughs> it's a pretty sweet plan if you're v you're like you know what it's not safe for you out there you're gonna have to stay here in my underground lair with me yeah, for with a year all my cool <laughs> pop culture things try not to fall in love with me yeah no kidding 
But I think this is a pretty cool moment in the film because it kind of gives, it kind of slows everything down. Because like you said, I mean, there's like an intense pace to the first 20 or so minutes. And it is definitely high octane action. We're jumping right into it. He's blowing something up. He's taking over the news. There's a fight at the station, etc. And then he's like kind of given this opportunity now to explain himself further. And this is where he says people should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Which, and here we go. Now you're like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not an entirely original thing to this specifically, but it kind of sets up this very clear idea that we've allowed our governments to have too much power. And now V is going to be leading an uprising and so you're starting to get excited about where the movie's headed that's right yeah (laughs) while evie is staying with v he kind of sneaks off at various points and the first thing he does he goes and kills lewis prothero norse fire's chief propagandist i already kind of described him as a rush limbaugh type that's kind of a weird way that this all plays out he's obviously like fighting for this cause and we kind of understand what he's doing but then he's like Kind of just killing people one by one too, right? And we don't feels we don't get, odd at first. Yeah. yeah, we don't get the full reasoning behind that at first. But for me, when I think about this movie, I I always remember this part. I think it's like a really cool part because that guy is like such an ass. He's like yelling at somebody on the phone. He's watching himself and reciting it as he's watching the video of his own show. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah. And he's like in the shower, and then V just kind of shows up. And if I had to, like, pick my favorite moments of this movie, this would definitely be one of them. And it's strange that it happens so early in the movie because in my memory, I always kind of think of this Louis Prothero guy as, like, a bigger part of the movie. Yeah, he's gone so quick. Yeah, and he's just out of the way almost immediately. i tell you what I know. I know this is not a man. What is it? A man does not wear a mask. What is it? A man does not threaten innocent civilians. What every gutless, freedom-hating terrorist is a goddamn coward. There will be no negotiation, Roger. When I arrive in the morning, the paddy will be gone. I'm looking at the tape right now, and he has no idea how to like me. My nose looks like big fucking Ben. Listen to me, you bleeding sod. England prevails because I say it does. And so does every lazy cunt on this show, and that includes you. Find another DOP or find yourself another job. I'll tell you what I wish. I wish I'd been there. I wish I'd had the chance for a face-to-face. Just one chance, that's all I'd need. This so-called V and his accomplice Evie Hammond nailed demagogues spouting their message of hate, a delusional and aberrant voice, delivering a terrorist ultimatum. An ultimatum was met with swift and surgically precise justice. The story, ladies and gentlemen, is good guys win, bad guys lose. And as always, England prevails. Holy Christ! Jesus! Good evening, Commander Prothero. Oh my God, how did you get in here? Don't worry, I've made sure our reunion won't be disturbed by any pesky late night phone calls. Commander. Stop that. Why do you keep calling me that? That was your title, remember? (laughs) When we first met all those years ago, you wore a uniform in those days. You. It is you. The girl. 
ghost of Christmas past. The way that he kills the people in this is also kind of interesting because it's all like poisoning that makes them like throw up or something. Yeah, it's not a a painless death, I guess. Yeah, and we don't we never really get to see it. It's kind of surprising because this is an R-rated movie with some violence and stuff in it. You would think that there'd be some more violent deaths. It's for like some of the, um, ones. the Hateful Eight or whatever after he drinks the soup with the poison in it. <laughs> or whatever's going on there. After he kills Prothero, we do get a glimpse into V's past, uh, this place called Lark Hill. And this is kind of our first indication of his backstory that kind of comes with the territory in comics like the origin story of our hero what happened yeah to make right him we got guy. the v part of the title now we're starting to see the vendetta <laughs> yeah what is this vendetta that he's on evie though is not super thrilled with v's methods well, and what he's up to and i think you know she's kind of probably getting a little like cabin fever here yeah because it seemingly weeks are going by, but we don't really know. Can, can exactly. we point out too? Uh, I mean, Natalie Portman just what? insanely skinny in this movie. Did you notice that? I mean, yeah, I think well, she's skinny I, a lot, but like, I, there's one part in the movie, when, and I was watching it with Lindsay and Natalie Portman, the character Evie or whatever, just says, she, "I'm starving," and Lindsay <laughs> just goes, "No kidding," <laughs> which made me laugh because it is just like, good lord. I mean, you know, you go on to watch like Black Swan, and she's like unhealthily looking skinny in that i don't know man that's just like jesus eat something it's I don't like neon demon body shaming going on right now. i mean listen she's goddamn beauty i mean you know there's there's no way around it but it's just i i was just i was like man this is insane it's like unrealistic body image you know she's not happy that v's killing people but eventually she's like all right I'll help you though, <laughs> which V for some reason just takes her at her word, even though he's he knows that she was pissed about it, and yet he's like, "All right, yeah, I guess you can help." So next up on his <laughs> yeah, hit no, list he is, quick is this just... Bishop Lilliman guy, and it's not just like help. I mean, kind of really inserted in kind of a dangerous role here. Like she's the bait. Yeah. So Lilliman, of course, is a pedophile, and of course, <laughs> well, you because know. he's a man. I was thinking because he was in the Catholic Church, yeah. like, but whatever. Even though Natalie Portman doesn't even remotely look underage in this, they dress her up as like a little girl, and he's like, "All right, well, I guess this will do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I can't really blame him. She does look pretty good. <laughs> I mean, look, she always looks good. But it's kind of like a sad moment of the movie, though, because this is like the one time that she turns on V so quickly, too. She's like, "This is one of those parts that." When I was watching it the first time, I almost didn't get it. I'm like, wow, this is part of the plan, part of this elaborate plan, because it's like you don't really expect her to just give him up right away. Right, and you would think that even if she was planning on turning on him, once she saw like what a creep this Lilliman guy was, I that know. she would just go along with him being you killed. You know what? This guy does deserve to die. You know, in a post-Me Too era. I get it, yeah. <laughs> this needs to be revised. Right. <laughs> Evie manages to escape when the shit hits the fan. I think, I can't really remember... V does end up killing Lilliman, though, anyway, right? He must, yeah. I don't really remember what happens. I mean, folks, I'm going to be honest here. Because of all the Everything stuff going that's on. leading to yeah. the hiatus, this episode is not going to get quite the attention to detail that they all do. I don't. Ca- I mean, sometimes it's fun just to have a loose ep where we're just going off what we remember, you know, <laughs> talking about the movie. Not everything has to be like this analytical, like, let's hit every important detail of the movie. All right, well, don't ever tell me how to do my podcast again. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, but I'm just saying because this is an important movie to me. I do think I'm not. I know that I pretty much every episode. I'm like, this is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, but that, well, that's the point. It's like, how many important movies to you have you watched since you've watched this for the pod? Not that many. Really. Okay, I don't right. even had my any Blu-ray player set up. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear that even if this feels like it's getting short shrift, this is definitely like a crucial movie for me. I love it. And I recommend everyone see it if they haven't seen it. But, you know, some of the details are going to be a little hazy. It happens. We're rushing through it. Yeah. All right. So Evie escapes to the home of her boss, comedian and talk show host, Gordon Dietrich. We find out that he's kind of living a closeted secret life. In more Um, ways than one, really. Well, mostly one. Okay. Yeah. But also, you know, he's got all. Well, yeah, he's like kind of a subversive. So he's kept a lot of the band. Items. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I mean, you know, religious this is artifacts, highly illegal. Right. Yeah, because I think when they do eventually kill him, they say it's because of a Koran, I guess, that they found. Okay. Or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, he is a homosexual, but he's kind of been pretending to want to date Natalie Portman. Okay. Yeah, I guess he's been courting her. Right. He has her over to hang out. Nothing's yeah, he's happened. Basically like you know, when you're someone like me, you have to pretend. You have to. You know, entertain, keep up appearances, young ladies, whatever. Finch's investigation, we kind of check back in on that. He's seemingly one step behind right now, but he's the thing with Finch in this movie is always kind of like you said, when you first start watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's a bigger part. And you're kind of like bummed at first because he's not Natalie Portman and he's not the exciting character of V, but. He is interesting. Yeah, though. the whole thing that goes on like with the his scope character of his character, yeah, is kind of the best part of the movie because it kind of clues you in on the mindset of someone who is probably a good person, who's just kind of gone along with this, has you, like a prominent position. You think that the way that things are are the way that they need to be and the way that they should be, and you're kind of being propped up based off of a certain set of facts, well, and then you find out those facts aren't exactly what you thought that's in that whole thing is kind of laid out a little more tragically with the kind of older female character that v kills right. later i feel yeah, like next that, the next up for v, okay yeah dr delia surge this is like and the she clearly, first one with like some real emotion in it yeah she clearly feels remorse so basically what we've learned from v is and we kind of get this backstory from surge's journal but V was held at one of these concentration camps. This one was called Lark Hill. There were experiments done on the prisoners. Lilliman, Prothero, Surridge, the people that he's killing were all high up there, all major players in the Lark Hill scene. But Surridge, for her part, feels remorse. And V, you know, believes her and she kind of welcomes this death. So he gives her like a painless death unlike the other two. He's like, look, I still have a vendetta. So, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. no getting out of this, but I can, you know, cut a deal here. And in all fairness, she doesn't ask. That's true. Out of it. Yeah. She's like, she's ready. I've earned this. But she, she's the first one that you're like, oh, well, she's actually, I mean, it seems like she's a good person who was involved in just something horrible. Right. And so, yeah, it's kind of those, the idea, and you'll hear about this, you know, from time to time, some people reject it outright. Sometimes it's a little bit more nuanced, but the idea that, during the time of the Nazis in Germany, that there were people that weren't necessarily evil, I guess. They're just kind of there. And this is like, well, this is what's oh, yeah. happening kind right. of thing. And maybe they should have done more to stop it. You know, you can come well, up with Well, it's also whatever, just like, I mean, that's easy for people to say on the outside, but you'd rather be on that side of it 
than, like, you know, when you see some of the shit that's happening. Good Lord. From Serge's journal, we find out that there were some explosions, uh, some sort of accident or whatever. Many, many deaths at Lark Hill. All the prisoners died except for prisoner number five. And this happened to occur on November 5th. It's a lot of, like, V's, fives, whatever, okay, right, over yes. and over and over. Because they use the Roman numerals above the cells. So That's he true. was prisoner yeah. five, which is V. He survives. He's horribly burned. This is who V is. This is crazy. This is why he wears the mask. Uh, it does not look like he should survive this. In fact, he seems to have... I think the implication is that he's gotten superhuman abilities from the experiments. I stuff. guess, yeah. I mean, he's still... Well, he comes back in during his whole final fight scene or whatever, but... Because he's, like, huge when he comes out of the burning building, and he's, like, hulking up almost. That's true, yeah. He's, like, so, like, ripped. He's, like, um, what's that uh, female character from Adventure Time, Flame Princess? He's, like, the, oh. he's like the Flame King. <laughs> well, there is a Flame King. Okay. <laughs> By investigating V, Finch discovers the hidden truth. The government, and not terrorists, as everyone was told, were responsible for the virus outbreaks that killed 100,000 people, the one that started at St. Mary's, that began created the St. Mary's virus. So there you have it, folks. And this know. is something that is kind of uncovered over time, and that it's really why the character of Finch is kind of interesting. Meanwhile, while Evie but, is mean, staying with Gordon, Gordon goes rogue on his talk show. This kind of is infuriating that he does this. Uh, Yeah. I, really picked a bad moment to do it when he's harboring a fugitive in his house. It by is the way. weird. You don't he really jeopardizes much. himself and Evie by doing this. Well, and this is one of those things that's just like when you talk about the the current climate that we're living in. Like, I wouldn't really be too afraid until like this happens to like Stephen Colbert. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like all of a sudden, like he disappears, and they're like, "Well, he had a Quran." You know, right? Well, the th- <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that we're missing as far as parallels to today is there hasn't been like that galvanizing event. In fact, a lot of the horrible events that you're seeing happen, not that I want to even bring in like real life stuff, but they seem to be perpetrated not only by like outside terrorists across the world, but, but a lot of it is the side of (laughs) the government that, you know what I mean? Like the far right stuff that's been going on too. So they're going to fire like an EMP to shut down this podcast now. (laughs) Yeah, we're on the radar. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it seems like everybody is just violent now, so they're not even really able to use any of these events as, like, a galvanizing event to strengthen the government too much because some of it is, like, like even the recent event here in Pittsburgh, it's, like, that people, a lot of people see that as, like, a fuck you to the government. Like, the government that we have in place right now is maybe responsible for firing up these kinds of people to do these kinds of things. So it's, like, it's not... Like, the government can then just blame a foreign entity and capitalize on people's fear That's in that right. sense. So we haven't had that to... one moment yet where something so horrible has happened that people are so scared that they're willing to go along with whatever. They need, like, a Dr. Manhattan to, like, blame it on, you know? <laughs> I don't know. The sketch that Gordon does on his show, was it really even worth it? No, I mean, <laughs> I would it, say it, definitely it, not. Yeah, it didn't really I seem mean, funny. It wasn't funny. I, I, if it was funny, then I'd be like, well, you know, you go out on <laughs> got a few laughs out of it. Yeah. But I guess like the people are like, so whatever repressed or whatever. And they're just like, I can't believe he's, I guess it's just like, it's shocking. You know, right. he's yeah. a shock jock. <laughs> you know? 
that is the one that one of the parts that I do think is great in this movie is how clueless he is about the fact that he's just like, look, they can't touch me. You know, right, like I yeah. have all these ratings like, you know, maybe they'll suspend me or and whatever. I'll, think, I'll have an apology. And then they're just like, no, fuck you, man. We're going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is not even fully understanding how things actually are. How bad it is. Yeah. Like he does. I think some people are kind of in denial or maybe just delusional about what's actually going on, how serious this is. But, I mean, it, it seems crazy that you could be living in a society where people are being ushered off the concentration camps and you're not fully grasping. And you're ha- you have to hide all of these things in your house that are technically illegal. But Gordon ends up being taken away in a scene that mirrors when Evie's, Evie's parents. parents were taken away. She's hiding under the bed. And Evie gets abducted as well when she's trying to escape Gordon's house. This kind of kicks off this crazy part of this movie. This is wild. I mean, for sure, this was like the thing that stood out to me the most. This whole next sequence and the reveal at the end of it, just not really (laughs) at all where I thought this movie was going. It definitely stands apart from almost any other movie that I've seen, like having a sequence like this. Yeah, it it was kind of cool seeing this movie without having read the graphic novel. I, I was lucky enough to see it on the IMAX Whoa. It was actually the, f- brag. the first movie that I saw on the IMAX outside of like the ones at the Science Center, like Earthquake or whatever. You oh, know, right. Like yes. San Andreas Fault <laughs> Under the Ocean. Yeah, yeah. I saw one of those like hurricane ones in the Boston Museum of Science. Yeah, yeah. I saw some of the science thing. But like as far as like the actual like movies, this was That's the right. first yeah. one I saw on the IMAX. And yeah, I I didn't know any of this was coming. And this is it's kind of a fun oh, for thing sure. when yeah. it's over, but but I would say every every piece of it, too, like what happens with her, what happens to her character, but like the whole story that you see with like the oh, lesbian. Yeah. We're, we're going right. to get to yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just I love every part of it. And then like even the reveal, you're just like, what the fuck? So Evie's threatened with death unless she reveals V's location or, or any information. Her head is shaved. She's thrown into a cell. Her food is tossed in there. It's so gross that the rat that comes out of the wall doesn't even want it. I know, the rat's it's just like, like yeah, no what, it, what was this reminding you of? Like <laughs> us setting up like fucking mouse traps around here and they're like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and the implication is that she is in one of these concentration camps and she's going to be tortured and then eventually killed. At some point, a little letter is put into her cell like through the wall or she discovers it. I don't know if she's supposed to think that the person is still over there well, the or way that I she's in- just finding it. I don't know. Yeah, the way I initially took it was like it was there like it could have been years ago. I think that that is the way it's supposed to be because okay. I think in the letter they do reference like a specific year. Okay, yeah. And so it wouldn't really make sense. She finds this letter. It's from a woman named Valerie Page and this kind of kicks off this whole flashback. Just a Beautiful sequence. And literally from this point on for like the rest of the movie, it's like on and off tears for me. Oh, yeah. It's so emotional. (laughs) Imogen Poots as a young Valerie in the flashback. Holy shit. Did not realize that. Wow. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) When I saw it. (laughs) Big Imogen Poots mark over here. Absolutely. And so the long and the short of it is Valerie grows up, realizes she's a lesbian at a pretty young age. And it's always kind of this secret life for a while. And she eventually comes out to her parents. Her parents kind of disown her. But it's not illegal yet. You know, the, the shit with Norse Fire hasn't happened yet. She becomes this actress. She moves in with, like, another actress. They have this life together. 
they're happy for I think like what three years or something. Yeah, I forget something what they like say. that. And Which is about the length of any happy relationship. <laughs> That's all the happiness you can really expect, yeah, right. In life, maybe you know you could have it again, but take three years off, and then come back to it. <laughs> and uh, and eventually, once every the shit hits the fan and Norse Fire takes over, she's taken away. I think is she taken away first or her girlfriend i oh, can't remember I can't one either. of the i think the girlfriend's taken first but then she is taken eventually and she's brought to one of these cells like the one evie is in and then she ends up being executed basically for being a lesbian i remember how the meaning of words began to change how unfamiliar words like collateral and rendition became frightening while things like Norsefire and the articles of allegiance became powerful I remember how different became dangerous. I still don't understand it. Why they hate us so much. They took Ruth while she was out buying food. I've never cried so hard in my life. It wasn't long till they came for me. It seems strange that my life should end in such a terrible place. But for three years, I had roses and apologized to no one. I shall die here. Every inch of me shall perish. Every inch but one. We must never lose it or give it away. We must never let them take it from us. I hope that whoever you are, you escape this place. I hope that the world turns and that things get better. But what I hope most of all is that you understand what I mean when I tell you that even though I do not know you, and even though I may never meet you, laugh with you, cry with you, or kiss you, I love you. With all my heart, I love you. Valerie. This is kind of this very poignant, out of nowhere thing in this movie where you're like, you did not yeah, expect it's this. it's heavy. And it really gives you this context for what's happening and what that action, like what these things that Norse fire or any totalitarian government or any dictatorship or anything like that like what that actually means for the people that lose their rights whether it's a gay person or someone of a different religion or an immigrant know, it's just or whoever. so like bizarre to think about yeah and it's just it, it's a great little story where you're, it really hits home how horrible this is Evie stays strong and chooses death over betraying V which is important because she didn't betray him before pretty quickly that's true yeah <laughs> I know this is quite a turn from where she was earlier. Is it supposed to be that the thing that first kind of jars things is seeing like what happens to the TV dude and like having that correlate with what she saw with her parents when she was a kid? I mean, I guess now she knows that this the government is like so bad that like she shouldn't betray well, v that and, and the, the letter. Well, I know, but she's 
not betraying him right from the beginning, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Well, eventually, when she we is see, told like, that she's about to be killed right a couple, then... We see a couple different shadowy f- cop figures talking to her, right? It's like what's yeah, supposed to be... Yeah, and they very be, intentionally... You don't see the Make face. it seem like it's Creeley. They make it... You know, it looks like the people that we think it I should know, be. I know, right. But, so it's um, like Hugo Weaving just doing a bunch of different voices? I don't know. Yeah, I know. So yeah, eventually when she's told that she's about to be killed... That's when it all ends. And like one more chance. All a ruse. One more chance. Or, or else you're going out to the firing squad. Enough. We've put you up in this cell for so friggin' long. Right. I mean, we, we can't feed you the food that the rats don't want anymore. Okay. <laughs> you're going to the firing squad uh, unless you just give us something, anything. We don't even care if you make it up. And she's like, nope, I'm loyal to V. And then they just walk out and like leave the cell door open. Right. And it, the first time as a viewer, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Turns out she was at V's the whole time because for some reason <laughs> like, it is like such a, a reality crash moment. Yeah, for some reason you're back in. The he has lair. a replica of this prison in his house. That is weird. Yeah, and she was living there for weeks and never knew about it. I, I guess, guess he knew that one day he was going to have to pull a move like this to uh, yeah I guess. break Either someone's that spirit was, and rebuild them, or it was all part of him processing the trauma he went through yeah v reveals that gordon was killed for having the quran but just when evie's like really about to freak out he's like no no the letter you read was real it was in my cell back when i was at lark hill and this valerie was real and he shows her this whole like tribute to her with like pictures and the roses. Although that would have been even crazier though if V like made that whole thing up too. Well, I think that would make the viewers not be yeah, on his side. They'd be like, that was fucked up. I mean, it is fucked up still though. I mean, obviously we get this great kind of like rebirth of her character. She's like this strong woman now as before she, you know, she was like meek and afraid. It still feels pretty wrong what he did to her. He shaved her head. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like torture. What's he, going on here? It I definitely feel like a lot of time has passed though, and we're because we're now we're approaching almost a I year. I feel that way too because yeah. Evie splits but promises to see V again before the fifth, and what, V, but v what, does not take her departure super well. No, I mean, what is she like planning on doing here? That's you what know, I mean. Like, a, it has to be so much time has passed that like she knows they're not really looking for her that closely anymore because all this other shit has happened. And this shit with like around. V and his whole like plan has gone like really deep i mean he's really gotten deep into the group yeah like as we see where this is heading next yeah obviously v's aware that finch is on his trail so v eventually v wearing a disguise and using the name william rookwood this is kind of a cool scene meets with finch and gives us the exposition to fill in the gaps finch already knows v has something to do with bioweapon testing at a facility called Lark Hill, but he's inadvertently discovered something far sinister. V, as Rookwood, tells him that the bioweapon program, which was directed by Adam Sutler, who was then undersecretary of defense, resulted in the creation of the deadly St. Mary's virus. He further reveals that Creedy, a leader within the Norse Fire Party, released the virus onto English soil, killing 100,000 British residents and framed the outbreak as a terrorist attack. The party, which promised security in times of social instability, used the ensuing wave of fear to elevate Sutler to the newly created office of High Chancellor and win an overwhelming majority in Parliament. 
becoming the elected government. Natalie Portman was like, so this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Quite quickly after this, Finch realizes that he was talking to V all along, but the damage has been done. It's like he knows that this made too much sense. Yeah. It's like he's pissed that he got tricked by V, but at the same time, V's planted a seed and... That bitch is going to grow. It's oh, like, for oh, we sure. We got it. He's yeah. like, all right. So, well, again, I mean, Finch is kind of a weird character because he feels very kind of like emotionless through most of the movie. Yeah. But obviously this stuff is resonating with him. I think probably him. wanted him to remain kind of this like I do my job, impartiality yeah. kind of thing. They didn't want him to appear too much. He's like, look, I don't like going to these fucking meetings and getting reamed by the guy up on the screen. <laughs> it sucks. This is kind of an interesting part. I, and I, I kind of interpreted this as because V didn't have a direct access to Sutler. And he needed a plan to get access to Sutler. So yeah. what V does is he shows up at Creedy's house and through some subterfuge and doing his usual V antics, he's right. able to yes. like, talk with him and no one knows. So V makes a secret deal with Creedy to kill Sutler. Basically saying... Creedy's rolling over real quick. Well, Creedy wants to be in charge. Yeah. That's what V's kind of taking advantage of here. Basically, if you kill Sutler, I'll turn myself over to you, and you'll be in charge, and you'll be the hero, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm not going to kill you now. Sounds like a pretty good deal. on you. So November 5th approaches. V distributes thousands of Guy Fawkes masks. Kind Kind of of nuts. Now, if someone's doing an investigation... On this terrorist who wears this mask. Uh This isn't raising any flags anywhere. This production of thousands of these masks. Yeah, where did these masks come from? I mean, it's just like, I I don't know. I just feel like if I was a detective, this would pop up on my radar. Yeah, I don't know where these masks came from. Maybe they were all made before in advance of this. Okay, yeah. Over the course of the movie, we've been seeing V kind of gaining some support. We particularly see this one family, a mother, a father, and a little girl. A couple of times. The little girl puts the mask on and is running And this around. is kind of being narrated by the detective because he's talking about what's going to happen Yeah, he's next. like, someone's going to do something stupid. Right, yeah. <laughs> and this, that part, it does kind of feel like, maybe not even the time right now, like various times where it's been sort of weird because like a tragedy happens or like shit's not good with the government or whatever. It just, it does feel like things are very on edge. There is something about this part that just feels very... Yeah. Real. It, yeah, it's actually done pretty effectively. Every day that brings us closer to November, every day that man remains free is one more failure. 347 days, gentlemen. 347 failures! Chancellor, we do not have the adequate force. We are being buried beneath the avalanche of your inadequacies, Mr. Creedy! Eight boxcars, several hundred thousand at least. Christ. I want anyone caught with one of those masks arrested. 
Give me the money! Give me the fucking money! We're under siege here. The whole city's gone mad. This is exactly what he wants. What? Anarchy in the UK! Chaos. Mr. Creedy, I am holding you personally responsible for this situation. The problem is that he knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why I went to Lark Hill last night. That's outside quarantine. I had to see it. There wasn't much left. But when I was there, it was strange. I suddenly had this feeling that everything was connected. Like I could see the whole thing. One long chain of events that stretched all the way back before Lark Hill. I felt like I could see everything that had happened. And everything that was going to happen. It was like a perfect pattern laid out in front of me. And I realized that we were all part of it. And all trapped by it. So do you know what's going to happen? No. It was a feeling. But I can guess. So much chaos, someone will do something stupid. And when they do, things will turn nasty. Rioters were arrested in Brixton. And then Sutler will be forced to do the only thing he knows how to do. At which point, all V needs to do is keep his word. This little girl is probably like 10 years old. She's running around with the mask on. She isn't really doing anything that terrible, but she's running away from a fingerman who shoots her a in the A finger back. police. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fuck you. <laughs> The Fingerman kills this little girl because he panics and does something stupid. The Fingerman is then killed by an mo angry mob yeah. of people, which sets off kind of anarchy. And this is all leading into November the 5th. So now public perception and feeling is like the way uprising more in support of is coming. Me yeah. Because people are kind of realizing how shitty this government actually is. On the eve of November 5th, Evie visits V. They have this slow dance together. It's kind of this odd romantic tinge to the movie that you're never really sure. There's always, like I said, it's Phantom of the Opera or Beauty and the Beast kind of is like yeah, a little bit there. but it, For sure. It never really goes to that level. Yeah, she does kiss the mask at one point in the movie. I mean, obviously when you have a male and a female lead and it's kind of this like major high pressure situation. Will they, won't they? Yeah, I mean, there's always yeah. like, can we get a romance angle out of this? But it's it like when his flesh is burnt and falling off, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, but he, he never really feels like... I mean, the only time you see any emotion specifically about her kind of in a love sense is when she does leave him after he reveals that 
he'd been abducted right. here the whole yes. time. And he kind of gets mad and he like smashes something. Yep. But that's the only She wasn't time. getting it. And there was... <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times have you... And there's just you like, know smash something. I don't know. I just I'm just all I'm saying is I just didn't really feel like there was a romantic connection there, and then it kind of seems kind of crowbarred in at the end. Yeah, it doesn't ruin anything, but no. it's it's strange. V leaves it all up to Evie in the end. Kind of weird, including well, whether or not Parliament will be destroyed. He's kind of like, hey, here's the train. Well, it's filled with bombs. Did it's we, gonna go under there? I'm not gonna do it. You gotta do it. But did we go over what happens with the the High Chancellor? Like that, that the, hasn't happened yet. Okay. He tells her that before he goes to meet Creedy. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because she doesn't realize that, you know, what's going on. I'm thinking end, of the scene with the, with the subway car, out. yeah. Yeah. He tells her that before he goes. V meets with party leader Creedy, who brings the chancellor down into the underground railways and executes him in front of V, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. Creedy's like, just okay, like, well, well, fuck it. I'll kill this guy. I don't care. <laughs> He's like, I killed 100,000 people already. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Pretty ruthless. But V ultimately doesn't stay true to the deal and ends up killing Creedy and his men. Well, after they open fire on him and shoot him what seems like thousands of times. Right. Yeah, he was supposed to come peacefully and then he didn't. And then it leads to this whole oh, yeah, battle. Like, my he turn. shot a yeah. million times. Yeah. But he was wearing some bulletproof vest, but, I mean, he caught a lot of bullets, obviously. Yeah, so he's, like, fucked up after this. Yeah, he's mortally wounded. He's going to die, but he does succeed in killing Creedy and his men. He returns to Evie and tells her that he loves her. And I don't know how she does this because she looks like she weighs 80 pounds. That's but true. somehow she gets his body up into the train and, like, laid out perfectly with like the roses from right. the Valerie thing. Now, and- I, again, I don't really get this because it's like he's made the threat that he wants to blow up parliament right? a year in advance. He's still able to wire this place with explosives or whatever happens. I mean, obviously the, the railways the were shut the- down. Okay. Finch brings this up at one of the meetings. He says, what about the railways? Could he use railways explosives? And he basically is laughed out of the room. Wow. They said the explosions would have Just to come Just a terrible, from above. terrible job by the government. <laughs> well, they needed to come up with some way. Yeah. And so it had to be the railways that were not in use and the... By the way, when does he do this thing where he uh, knocks all those dominoes down and it shows his logo or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. At some point before this. I, other than for being in a movie... What is the point of He's got that? a lot of time to I kill. Know. It's like, what? <laughs> Who is he's, that for? He's setting up a lot. That was, Those were real dominoes, too. That oh, was wow. like a completely real scene. It took forever to set up. Yeah, but, I would think. Yeah, I mean, why? <laughs> I mean, he just, with a mask on, I mean, I guess it's hard to read. I don't know. Yeah, like, it's I'm not true. Really it's sure a good point. He's, doing. <laughs> he's watched that, uh, what is that movie he watches? The, the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Whatever. He's watched that. Which kind of has like times. a Princess Bride feel, it seems like. <laughs> v dies he's put on this train right as evie is about to send the whole thing in that's when finch shows up he's figured it out and finch could easily stop her but in the end decides not to yeah and well, it's just like he killed creedy i mean yeah and this is the part that's kind of cool as far as what the rest of the how the rest of the government plays i mean out at a certain point i mean finch has to be like next in line for the fucking Vice Chancellor position or whatever. Well, the idea, I think, is that they're going to get rid of the High Chancellor position altogether. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, 
the armed guards standing outside of parliament see all these people showing up in the guy fox masks and they don't know what to do because there's no orders from Sutler or Creedy or anybody. Right. So they just let everyone pass and everyone's kind of standing around with these masks on. Evie sends a thing to blow up parliament. It starts blowing up and everyone's taking their masks off. It's kind of reminiscent of the end of Les Miserables where like yeah, there's people actually that were a few killed parts that kind of feel like it. yeah, are now alive and I mean good lord tears streaming down my face. I know this part did <laughs> It was confusing to me the first time I saw it because I first see the little girl and I was like, isn't that the girl that they killed? <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I think her parents, I mean, you, and, get it, yeah. you know, Gordon Dietrich well, and, and the then, lesbian couple. Yeah. Valerie right. and her lover and everyone that was murdered is now there again. And it's kind of just this powerful ending. And then that's really it. <laughs> well, and we have like the whole interaction between Evie and Finch where he's like, who, who was he? Oh she's yeah, like, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, he's me, he's you. It's just like this long list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was he? He was Edmund Dantes, and he was my father and my mother, my brother, my friend. He was you. all of us and he's like so what are you doing later (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it is kind of like well what do we do now (laughs) he's like well that was pretty nuts that whole building blew up huh yeah should we go to the pub (laughs) (laughs) buy you a drink yeah what do you think was going on with like the uh soccer teams and i I was thinking that too (laughs) i don't know those relegation battles were probably a lot different (laughs) (laughs) all right so that'll do it for v for vendetta and this podcast Spoiler alert, <laughs> we're not coming back. Come on. It was all a ruse. <laughs> We've abducted you. Yeah. No, we are coming back. Don't confuse people no. w- with the announcement that we had. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, we are taking a hiatus. We will be back. It will only be a couple of weeks, probably. Probably three weeks or something. Yeah, final thoughts on V for Vendetta. How does this... It's weird. Because I really, I do love this movie. I, I only like revisit it seemingly like... It's weird that it came out in 2006. I feel like I only watch it every 10 years. I don't really want to give Bill Simmons credit, but I will say that he often brings up the cable runs of movies. And I do think that movies that don't fit well with cable tend to vanish Be forgotten. And V for Vendetta is a little too long, and it's a little too political. It's not super violent. I mean, they could easily edit it for TV. There's not a ton of swearing. I mean, there's no sex or anything. It could be edited to TV pretty easily, but it's too long. And I think because it's kind of polarizing politically, I don't think it ever got a huge basic cable run on anything. And it kind of just fades over time. And it needs to be kept alive by people like us. Yeah, I mean, I'll just always remember it. It should be played at, like, for classic movie nights or, like, you know, repository theaters or whatever you call them, places that play old movies. Like, it should have that kind of a life because I do think it's a fun, updated, modern version of some of the stuff from 1984 or Les Rob. It's a very, like... I'll just... I will always remember it as, like, a movie that I was super excited for. I went to see it opening night. I I think I had a friend or two that did go with me. It seemed like they were only kind of half interested. I don't know. I guess, like, you know, 19-year-old bros or whatever weren't really 
in on it at the time. Yeah, it's a little high concept for an action movie. I mean, it's yeah, you have to you know do a little bit of thinking and for sure, and kind of put yourself into this mindset of some futuristic world with a terrible government or whatever. But all right, well, I think that'll do it. Thanks for listening. Follow Certainly, the show yeah. on Twitter at Creatives Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. Much more to come. Uh, it'll be, you know, from a different location. Yeah, the podcast will certainly continue and and be just as strong as ever. But this time we're going to let everyone know that we're taking a little hiatus rather than just disappear for four months and then <laughs> come back. <laughs> This, yeah, well, will, this will not be anywhere near as long as the last time. No, no, this no. is just a, a the show is break. as solid as ever. I mean, I feel <laughs> as like, ever. Well, <laughs> I would say it's the most solid it's ever been now that you're doing the editing and like, you know, I'm not as much like on the verge of like a mental breakdown, <laughs> although always kind of I just feel like things are solid. Yeah. The only I mean, actually, the bigger problem is, is like a lot of times we don't want to record because we want to go see movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that people at our friend's wedding, the subject of my Blu-ray collection was brought up to people a lot. And right. People yeah. were really kind of thrown for this, confused, you know, didn't really know what to make of it. But <laughs> part of that is also seeing everything that comes out. That's true. It's not yeah. just about movies that are already on Blu-ray. It's like, no, it's movies in general. And that means going to the theaters all the time. Yeah. And that's what I do. Dedicated. All right. So <laughs> that'll do it for this one. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. In the day we sweated out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night we ride through mansions of glory and suicide machines. Spun from cages on highway nine. On wheel fuel injected on Stepping out over the line Baby, this town rips the bones from your back It's a death trap It's a suicide rap I wanna get out while I'm still young Cause tramps like us Baby, we were born to Well, when did it let me in? I wanna be your friend. I wanna guard your dreams and visions. Just wrap your legs around these velvet rims. Strap your hands across my engine. Until together we could break this trap. We'll run till we drop, and baby, we'll never go back. Walk with me out on the wire Girl, I'm just a scared and lonely rider And I gotta know how it feels I wanna know if love is wild I wanna know if love is real Beyond the palace, Emmy power drones scream down the boulevard. A girl's comb her hair in rear view mirrors. A boy's try to look so hard. 
The amusement park rises bold and star. Kids are huddled on the beach in the mist. Well, I want to die with you, Wendy, on the streets tonight. In an everlasting kiss. Well, a highway's jammed with broken heroes on a last chance power drive. Everybody's out on the run tonight, but there ain't no place left to hide. And together we could live with the sadness. I love you with all the madness in my soul. Someday, baby, I don't win. We're going to get to that place that we really want to go and we'll walk in the sun. Dylan tramps like us. Baby, we were born to John, I need to talk to you. No, not right now. What's wrong with you? Why you got the weird look all over your face? Claire's mom just made me grab her hooters. Well, snap out of it. What, a hot older woman made you feel her cans? Stop crying like a little girl. I wasn't crying like a little girl. Why don't you try getting jacked off under the table in front of the whole damn family and have some real problems? Jackass. What were they like anyway? They look pretty good. Are they real? Are they built for speed or for comfort? What'd you do with them? Motorboat? You play the motorboat? You've motorboat and son of a bitch. You old sailor, you. Where is she? She's still in the house? 